Hi, this is John, and today on Theocast, Justin and I talk about prodigals. Those who've walked away from God, and the question is, can they walk away so far that there is no grace or mercy remaining? And are prodigals normal? We look at passages in the Bible that warn us about the devil and how the devil tries to trip us up and how we can often struggle against our own flesh and at times lose that battle. What does it look like for a prodigal to come back into the good graces of God? It's a lively discussion. We hope you enjoy. A simple and easy way for you to help support Theocast each month is by shopping at Amazon through the Amazon Smile program. When you make a purchase through Amazon Smile, a portion of the proceeds will be donated to our ministry. To learn how to sign up, just go to theocast.org slash give. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed and pastoral perspective. You keep throwing that in there lately, John. I know. I just want people to understand we're pastors, and that's how we look at things. It's true enough. There you go. Your host today, Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. And I'm John Moffitt, pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee. And, sure enough. Uh, yeah, sure enough. And today's giveaway, Justin, we're going to, we got something for the people's so what we, we like to away? give the people things. Right. Today, we are giving away one of our very own primers. I'm holding it up right now for those who are watching mm-hmm. on the YouTubes. It is our primer, Safe in Christ, a primer on assurance right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by John, Jimmy, and myself. Uh, this is a, just a brief little treatment from us on assurance and how we really are, as the title would indicate, safe in the Lord Jesus Christ because of what he has done for us. Uh, it has nothing to do with what we are doing for him. And that's the best news in the world. So mm-hmm. we are giving this copy away today as always. Um, our generosity, I suppose, <laughs> combined with the sovereignty of God and of course, the wheel of names. It's now that's infamous. Right. And the wheel of names has chosen today our brother, one of our members, Seth Moser. So Seth, you will receive a free copy of Safe in Christ a primer on assurance. Uh, if you don't get a message from us, man, shoot us one, and we will make sure to get that copy to you. We will be giving away one additional copy of the primer on assurance via social media tomorrow. So you're hearing this podcast as it releases on a Wednesday. Tomorrow um, is Thursday. We'll be giving away another copy. So what you need to do today uh, as you're hearing this podcast is go to one of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and there will be instructions there as to how to enter yourself into this second giveaway. So somebody else will be getting this resource tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so avail and yourselves of that. We hope it's a, encouraging. Yeah. As a quick announcement, uh, the more uh, as the ministry grows, we get the resources to produce these. It takes quite a bit of money to get them up and running. And we try and price them at a point where, <laughs> let's put it this way. <clears throat> we, ain't going to Ohio, we ain't going to Hawaii anytime soon, Justin. <laughs> no, we're but we, we, there are super helpful. And we've got more on the way. Things like what is Reformed Theology, Law Gospel Distinction, what is the purpose of the church, all of that good stuff. So stay tuned for those. And as the resources are there, we hope to brand these things and bundle them together and hope they're good resources for people. So That's right. There that is. What are we talking about today, John? Yeah, man. It's a a, serious, heavy, but good conversation. Yeah. 
It is. It is a heavy conversation. We at Theocast have created a monster, and that monster is we poke the bear of pietism in the eye, and out of that bear comes all kinds of spewing questions. And so <laughs> we uh, all over it's the internet image, email. Man, you're, you're quite the wordsmith, dude. <laughs> Did you like that? <laughs> Gosh. Poke the bear. Spewing out of the eye. Here it comes. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, people struggle and they struggle mightily. And we hear about it in our own churches. Justin and I were just commenting how we are trying to fit in all of our scheduling with people who are needing uh, encouragement and strength and, and counsel as it relates to suffering and sin and all that. And we also hear about it from Theocast on the Facebook group and our email chat. Uh, there's just, it's everywhere. There's stuff all over and, the Simper Reformanda um, mm-hmm. Facebook group too. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram. We, we got a long dialogue from someone recently. It just, they just cannot see the struggle with their sin and assurance lining up. It's yeah. really hard. And I, yeah. I personally understand. And just, so does Justin. Totally that, understand that sin does rob us of two things, the clarity of Christ in the gospel and our assurance in Christ. So today's conversation is really geared towards um, the biblical understanding of struggling with sin at mm-hmm. what level. You know, we did a podcast a while back that said how much can a Christian sin? And for how and long? This, and for how long? And I would encourage you, if you have not heard that list, that episode, you can, you can go listen to that. We'll put it in the show notes. This is yeah. kind of 2.0. We wanted to add to those thoughts and, and really provide some additional, I, I want to say, biblical arguments for those who I think have been influenced by bad theology for for many years. And then in our Semper Reformanda, we're going to get specifically down into some actual documents. That's kind of the unfiltered slash educational section of our ministry we'll get to in a minute. But Justin, let's talk for a moment about the Bible as it relates to you. There is no question the person has professed Christ. They're trusting in him. They understand that received the sign of baptism. They are following in the biblical form of faith alone. And then they are ensnared into sin. Hmm. First, is this a normal uh, is this a, is a normal thing in Scripture, or is this kind of an abnormal? Do we not have a lot of passages on this? And how does the Bible kind of guide us as relates to, let's just use a really common illustration, the prodigal. Yeah. Is the prodigal a common situation amongst Christians throughout history? Short answer, yes. It is a normal situation. With respect to the prodigal, one thought that just popped into my mind is I think a lot of times people think that that parable only is illustrative of somebody like coming to faith initially. Right. And I Can I interject like the prodigal please. was not a was not a son until he repented. Right. Like he basically was not a child of God and then he repented and became one. And it's like, well that's actually not the way the parable is told. Right. The parable is told that he is a child of God. He is a son and he loses his senses and runs off into a foreign land and lives recklessly and squanders everything. And that I do think is a tremendous depiction of how we tend to struggle uh, even mightily and for seasons of our Christian lives. And then he quote unquote comes to his senses and says, I'm going to go back to my father. Um, And I mean, this is not a podcast on the prodigal son, but it's just so encouraging the way that that, 
parable unfolds where the son has his pitch all planned that he's going to come back to his father. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me as one of your hired servants. Let me work for you. And of course, fast forwarding to that poignant moment when he's approaching the household and the father sees him and runs out to him, the son begins to give his pitch that I've sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And before he can even get to the piece about let me work for you as a slave. That's right. The father says, bring the best robe in the house and put it on my son. Give him a ring and a, you know, and put shoes on his feet and kill the fattened calf. And let's have a party because my son is found and he was lost and my son is alive again and he was dead. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, and so it's a beautiful picture, but I, I think that this happens for people as they have trusted Christ, they're living life in the church and they fall into perhaps heinous sin, intentional sin for a season of time. They're mired and they're trapped in it and are restored. Yeah. God repents us. Amen. Praise be to his name. And I think I'm not going to bury the lead here, John. It is our conviction based on scripture and the confessions that in that sort of season where we are mired in sin and trapped in it. And then of course, you know, the restoration is coming in an obvious way as God repents us by his grace. But in that whole time, there is not a moment when we are not in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is not a moment where the Holy Spirit has left us. There is not a moment where we are lost and like would go to perdition, you know, if we were to to die. In that That's moment, right. we would understand that God, he, like his gifts and his calling are irrevocable. That's and right. that as we have been united to the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, as is you know signified by our baptism and even our ongoing union with him in the table, that the Lord keeps us by faith, by his grace unto salvation. Mm-hmm. And so that's really, I, I think, the underlying message that we want to communicate today yeah. is that your sin and you being mired in it as a Christian is a normal experience. We're not encouraging people to go sin. Of course, when we find ourselves in sin, repentance is what we encourage people toward and plead with people to. Uh, but we are wanting to continue to herald the fact that Christ has saved us even as we struggle right. uh, and, and are inviting people back to their loving Father and to their Savior. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you want to jump in on this. I, well, yeah, I, just, I was going to say the prodigal in Jesus's illustration is a horrible repenter. He just is. And we love to think about, well, no, he repented. He and it's like, no, he didn't. He he repented with penance, right? He he realized what he had done is wrong, but he was coming back to the father with penance. And the father, you know, I've said this before, but my the illustration is he, you know, the, the son starts, father, I know I've sinned against you and against right. heaven. And then the father goes, okay, great, great, great. Hold on a second. Hey, can someone bring the robe? Right. What were you saying, son? Well, hold on, one, right. before you finish, son. Can someone bring the right. ring? <laughs> you know. Oh, and by the way, let's get the calf going. The the reason is I, I no, mentioned exactly. this is that the father knew what that son was about to say, and Jesus, totally. of course, in the illustration. And the point of it is, you're my son, therefore there are no requirements to remain my son. Right. Okay, that there's a difference. Like Jesus uses this illustration, which uh, to the self righteous who won't cling to Christ. Right. He just gives them more law. 
but right. to the sinner, like the woman at his feet, it says, your sins are forgiven. Why? Because she was trusting in Christ, her sins, which were many. And I want to say that to the believer who has found their rest in Christ, they say, okay, I, I know I can't earn my righteousness. I know it's by Christ's death on the cross and his righteousness imputed, given to me. To that person, Christ says, you are in my hand and I am in the Father's hand and no one can take you out. There is no, there's nothing that can separate us no, from the love of God, no, which is in Christ amen. Jesus, right? And not there's even no condemnation. Go ahead. Word. I mean, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, not even our sin. I, I think we've got of any own, kind, right? Of any kind, right? We will not outsend the grace of Christ. You know, for those of us who've been united to Him by faith, we will not outsend the grace of Christ, and God will keep us until the end. Is right. is what we believe, and right. the confessions bear that out, and the scriptures do as well. Right, um, and as confessional Calvinists, we believe that the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit once brings to life cannot be snuffed out. That's what right. we're saying. Right. Once the and light the f- of the Spirit— right. Go ahead. I, was just say, I mean, it's, it's like Jesus doesn't break bruised reeds, and he doesn't put out smoldering wicks. It's like, right. yeah, that faith, right? It might be a faint flicker, and Jesus mm-hmm. will fan that flame, and he That's will right. sustain it. He's not going to snuff it out. Yeah. Right. And at times— it can be, and this is where I want to go to this next section. So safe in Christ literally means you are protected from condemnation because you are robed in Christ. Nothing can touch you. Now, that is the reality of your final status, right? We always say you are saved, you are being saved, you will be saved. You know, the, the illustration of right. our standing before Christ is declared as finished, we are being transformed into his image. We are being saved. And one day we will finally be saved, which right. is our glorification. Now, in that process of us remaining here on earth, there are, Justin, we can't even name them all. I, I had to stop writing them down at like at seven. But the warning sure. passages in the New Testament, oh, well, there I think there's something we need to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, so I think, let's just be direct here. It is very clear in the New Testament that Christians can sin. Christians can be mired and trapped in sin and that to sin and to be trapped in sin is terrible for us Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on every level. And the revealed will of God is that we would not sin, Mm -hmm. right? And that we would battle against it and flee from it, et cetera. Um, And yet the the scriptures bear witness to the fact that we will do it. And there are words to us about such things. This might not be the one that that you were planning to lead with, and that's fine. I, I'm just going to throw some stuff out. You throw some stuff out, and we'll just see where this takes us. I mean, First right. John is great on this. I mean, First yeah. John one. You know, there's the acknowledgement that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Right? I mean, so we are mm-hmm. sinners, and we do sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him, God, a liar, and his word is not in us. But then 1 John 2, 1 and 2, that comes immediately after that. John says, I'm writing to you so that you might not sin. And if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So in in this one passage, there's a few verses. There's the acknowledgement of the reality of our sin. There is the acknowledgement that Everybody is a sinner, and if we deny that about ourselves, then the truth is not in us. The goal is that we wouldn't sin, but when we do, we have an advocate who is Jesus Christ the righteous, who pleads for us before the Father when we sin, not once we're over it. I I think that matters. I mean, even that passage, it's not a warning passage, John, so much, but it's just an acknowledgement of this reality that the believer's life 
will be an ongoing fight against sin. And sometimes you're going to sin. And Christ has you then because Mm -hmm. he pleads for you in that moment. That's right. So this is not an exhaustive list. Just rattle them off, bro. Right. Well, this is not an exhaustive list, and we'll provide these for you in our notes if you want to go read them yourself. But I think we would do well to understand that once we are in Christ and his spirit lives within us, that it's the, the flesh that we now live in is not done away with. Not only no. that, Satan has not been finally bound where his no. influence is not to be seen. No. So to the New Testament writer who's, who has the spirit within them, we hear passages like 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, mm-hmm. prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. If he couldn't devour someone, meaning that trip them up or or entangle them, then Peter wouldn't write such words and such, I think, strong words with such vivid pictures. Uh, Ephesians 4.27, and give no opportunity to the devil. Well, what does he mean by that? Later on, he begins to explain. But the point of it is, is that you can be ensnared or entangled with the devil mm-hmm. of James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to totally. God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. First John 3, 8. Uh, I think you already talked about that one. Second Corinthians eleven three. 3. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, his your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Uh, just a couple um, of Ephesian- more. Ephesians 6.12, let me just do this. Yeah. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Like this is mm. quite a battle that we have on our hands. It's not right. just against our flesh, right? Though that's intense. We that's also right. battle against Satan and the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Yeah, James one fourteen. but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires, which our own desires we know are sinful. Yeah. The, the, the reason we read all of this is that those warning passages are not given to unbelievers. No. What you also do not see in those warning passages is if you who are a believer perform such a thing are going to now be an unbeliever. As a matter of fact, 1 John 1, 8 flat out says, if you say you're without sin, you're a liar. I always love to say God has, from all time, from the fall of Adam till now, as expected, sinner or Christians to sin because we are dual nature now. We have a spirit mm-hmm. within us and we have our flesh, right? This is Galatians 5.17. The spirit wars against the flesh, the flesh against the spirit. This is a battle that's going on. And it's very clear an indication that Christians have and do false snare to those temptations and do get devoured, meaning that yeah. they they cannot be snuffed out, <laughs> but they can absolutely be entrapped by totally. sin. And I mean, so I know that Galatians 6, 1 has been referenced already where when any one of you is trapped or caught in sin, yeah. you know, let those who are among you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, right. keeping watch on yourselves lest you too fall or be tempted, right? right. I mean, but the implication of that is that this is going to happen in the church and that then what needs to happen is such a person needs to be sought after and restored gently. And again, I think you're having to read into the text that, Oh, well, until that person is restored, they are apostate and are thereby under, you know, in a state of damnation and condemnation Mm -hmm. and God has left them. I mean, where do we find that in the scriptures that God leaves those who are his, you know, for a season of time because of their sin and so, yeah, we absolutely want to uphold the biblical teaching on 
sin, falling into sin, being trapped in sin, and then needing to be restored. Amen. Mm-hmm. But that that period of time, you know, between the falling and the being entrapped and the restoration, that's not a season of time where the believer is lost. Let me just read this, John, if, if I can, from the 1689 sure. London Baptist Confession. Yep. This is chapter five, paragraph five on divine providence. This is a wonderful paragraph as to what yep. we believe about God and the ways that he works and keeps us even through sin and really, really difficult times of failure. Here we go. Quote, the perfectly wise, righteous, and gracious God often allows his own children for a time to experience a variety of temptations and the sinfulness of their own hearts. He does this to chastise them for their former sins or to make them aware of the hidden strength of the corruption and deceitfulness of their hearts so that they may be humbled. He also does this to lead them to a closer and more constant dependence on him to sustain them, to make them more cautious about all future circumstances that may lead to sin, and for other just and holy purposes. So whatever happens to any of his elect happens by his appointment for his glory and for their good. It's a wonderful paragraph, man, that God remains God. He remains our father. He remains sovereign and purposeful and faithful even when we are faithless and when we are floundering. That's right. Well, and not only that, he uses our floundering as a means to expose us to our weakness. And to to cause us to depend all the more on him and to be Mm -hmm. humbled, right? Like lest we be Mm self-righteous because we all tend to be. That's right. Yeah. So to the to the there's two people that we want to talk to today for the remaining of the podcast. Can yeah. can we do just one like two more passages of scripture at least yeah. refer to them? I mean, sure. so we haven't cited these yet because we reference them often, but I mean if somebody's going to press us John in terms of where we go as our sort of last bastion of defense in mm-hmm. arguing for what we're arguing for, mm-hmm. it's clear there are two places. Galatians 5:17 Uh, which is where Paul says that the flesh and the spirit are opposed to one another and it keeps us from doing what we want to do. And then obviously Romans 7, verses 15 and following, where Paul writes such famous language about wanting to do good but not being able to do it, not wanting to do evil but finding himself doing it, that whenever he wants to do good, evil lies close at hand. He doesn't understand his own actions because he delights in the law of God and his inner man, but yet he finds himself sinning. And he, right. he then cries out in desperation, you know, I am such a wretched man. Who's going to deliver me? And it's thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. And there is mm-hmm. therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so it's a very clear witness of the scripture that Christians often find themselves in that reality, in that place, and that we are dependent completely upon the Lord Jesus Christ and his righteousness for us. And mm-hmm. uh, that's true for us not just on our best day, but also on our worst day. That's right. And that Christ remains um, our hope and stay and our advocate, our intercessor, our righteousness, our atonement, all of that. That's right. All right, so yeah, now, who are we talking to for the rest of the time? Yeah, I think there's two groups of people that we want, one, to give a warning to, and number two, to give comfort to. And because they're, I think the podcast has has really... Um, drawn in two types of people, and then there's going to be those people who have these in their life. And the first one I want to talk to are the people who have a lot of confidence in their own flesh. They have a lot of confidence in their own discipline. Yeah. Um, they I mean, hear you're, past, 
You're talking to the self-righteous in that regard. Yeah, the self-righteous in that regard. And I've been doing a lot of work and thought on this lately, and we're not going to get into this today. But the danger I find for some people is they put their confidence in things that I think are traditions and rituals that have been handed down to us, not based on scripture. And I find them enslaved into sin and often not willing to admit it and are embarrassed of it because they have done all the right things according to whatever the tradition says. And yet they find themselves enslaved in sin and they stay in that sin for a very long time because self-righteousness, it cannot allow for uh, weakness. Right. It just can't. So the first person, and and a lot of times those confidences are in you know how long I've been going to church, or how often I read my Bible, or how much scripture I've memorized, um, or the disciplines of I don't do this, I don't do that, and they have a lot of confidence saying, "Well, Satan can't trip me up because my confidence is in these things, whether it is you know my own abilities to do whatever." And I have talked with people, and Justin, you've heard this phrase. I've even heard people say, I am so shocked that I did this, or Mm. I can never forgive myself for Mm. what I have done, Mm. which means they had a higher expectation of themselves than they should have. Because to say that you can't forgive yourself, meaning it means that you, you knew, you you knew better and you did it anyways. (laughs) And Paul says, well, but but for the grace of God, amen, bro, (laughs) there go I. There go I. Yeah. So the self-confident, like I will tell you, Justin and I are very weak men, and we walk around yeah. like weak men, very scared yeah. of sin. I am terrified of sin, mm-hmm. and I know that Satan absolutely wants me to stumble and wants Justin yeah. to stumble, and I feel it daily. Totally. And now, am I having, you know, little demons jump around all over the place, or am I having these, you know, demonic experiences? Me personally, no. But no. my flesh and the temptation of the world oh, is real, gosh. and I know Satan has put those there to trip me up. If you're new to Theocast, we have a free ebook available for you called Faith versus Faithfulness, a primer on rest. And if you've struggled with legalism, a lack of assurance, or simply want to know what it means to live by faith alone, we wrote this little book to provide a simple answer from a Reformed confessional perspective. You can get your free copy at theocast.org slash primer. Everybody is like this, I think. But for me, the battle against the flesh is always on my mind. In certain seasons, it's obviously more heightened and more pointed than others. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of things that happen in my life that I regularly think the only thing I can chalk these experiences up to are A, the curse, the fall Mm -hmm. in general, or B, spiritual warfare, where clearly Satan and the cosmic powers over this present darkness hate me, hate my family, hate the church. You know, and I think those those things are real, right? And so we all battle this stuff. And anybody who has read the scripture and has tried to assess these things in his or her mind is going to conclude, like, oh my gosh, like this battle is intense and we are in way over our heads here. And we are punching far above our weight. And were it not for the grace of God, and frankly, the protection that the Lord promises to us by his spirit in his son. Like, I mean, you read it earlier, bro. John 10, 28, 29. I mean, that's it. It's where where do we pillow our heads? It's the fact that Christ has us and is never going to let us go. And he says, no one can take us out. And that includes Satan. And that includes our own stupidity. Like we are not going to to pluck ourselves from Christ's hands. And that's the comfort. But yes, you're right. We walk around weak 
and we walk around vulnerable Hmm. all the time. And honestly, Christians out there, I mean, just open your eyes to not only your own struggles, but the struggles of the people around you in your own local church. My goodness. I mean, it's so clear that we are fragile and frail on our own. And the only hope that we could ever have is Christ and the fact that he's got us. Um, If I can, John, I I want to talk about another form of self-righteousness before we pivot to the second piece. I know I kind of comforted people just now, and I don't mean to like usurp. I do. Yeah, before you jump there, I I think I want to add to that. Um, And well, maybe the the conclusion can be, maybe I'll just go ahead. I I think I can. Okay. Well, I'm going to kind of draw a conclusion on this, but I'll let you get the other form of righteousness. Okay. Okay. So this matters, I think, because, in having this conversation about warning the self-righteous, the kind that you mentioned is legit, like where people who are, you know, Christians are trusting in their own performance somehow or their own disciplines or whatever. There's another kind of self-righteousness though, because self-righteousness by definition means that I'm trusting in myself that I'm good. Mm -hmm. There are people who find themselves caught in sin perhaps, but then they don't want to call it sin. And so they say, well, you know, I, I don't really care like what the Bible says about this. Uh, I don't think it's sin. Mm. Conclusion, I'm fine. I don't That's need right. mercy. I don't need grace because I'm good where I stand. That's that right. is a kind of self-righteousness that's frightening. That and is. that that is when we need to come in with the word of God and even come in specifically with the law of God to warn such a person that what you're doing, it really doesn't matter what you think about it. Here's what the Lord has said about it. And it's not okay. And it will lead to your ruin. You know, I mean, lest you trust Christ. That's first and, John. When first right. John says, if one goes on sinning, that's what he's referring to. Yeah. It's, it's this. Yeah. But it's, it's, all, it's rejecting the, you're rejecting the mercy of Christ and seeing what totally. you're doing is sin. You're yeah. rejecting the mercy of Christ. because You don't think you need it. That's right. Because you have convinced yourself that what you're doing is not sin, you know, or perhaps you say, well, yeah, it is sin and I don't care, which is just another way of saying I'm sort of done with this and I don't need the mercy of Christ. Mm-hmm. Sinners, I mean, this is the thing. Sinners who know and acknowledge I am in desperate need of grace, I'm in desperate need of mercy, and I need Christ because he is the only one who has done for me what I could never do for myself. Right. To those people, there is comfort. Right. But to those who think they're good, either in their own strength, in their own discipline, or just, I don't need Jesus because That's what right. I'm doing is fine. There right. is and no, we, there isn't comfort there. No. And we see, we, we won't see these in petty sins. Like people aren't going to say it's okay to lie or to steal or to murder. Mm-hmm. Where we do see this the most is in a sexual conduct. Totally. Premarital it sex. It almost always or, has to do with sex. Right. And so that's where you're going to see, and even in the Bible will speak of that, where the debauched nature will go and change the very nature of God to justify their sins. And, yep. you know, I think in the United States, we're not going to get into this today, but I think this will become an interesting place to where if we, you know, with grace and mercy and kindness, uphold the law of God here. I think there could be some form of persecution as it relates right. to, and to that. Totally. And I mean, there are a number of reasons why this is going to come to a head in the church and we don't, this is not that podcast. So we'll talk no. about that later. So I think just to be very clear, like what we've tried to do in talking to the self-righteous for a moment is to, to be 
clear in what we're saying and also what we're not saying. We don't want to be misunderstood. Right. That like all there ever is is just comfort for people who are sinning and just don't care or who are sinning and don't think it's sin or to try to comfort people who are trusting in their own righteousness somehow. That's, That's not dangerous. That's yeah. dangerous. But now yeah. I think we're going to pivot to talk to another group of people that I think is much more common, at mm-hmm. least like in the Theocast Facebook group or amongst our listeners. Yeah. It's those yeah, who self, are struggling. Self-righteous don't make it through very many right. episodes. It's those who are struggling and those who know that they're sinners who are really questioning, could yeah. I be struggling like I am and legitimately be in Christ? Right. Well, let me, before we pivot there, this is where I was kind of waiting. Sorry, man. Uh, no, it's totally fine. And the two will work together for the person that I think is putting a lot of confidence in themselves. Like I, because I have performed in these ways, you're trusting in your own works and in your own discipline. The w- These warning passages that we just read about falling into temptation and beware of the devil, those are not disconnected yeah. from the rest of those sections, which then give you the conclusion of how you're protected. For instance, in Hebrews, he says, sure. um, but exhort one, one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So how is it that the writer of Hebrews says, this is how you aren't deceived by sin. It's the exhortation of believers. We could even go to Ephesians chapter four, right? And he says, when the church functions properly, so the administration of God's word through the public teaching and preaching is given to the church to do the work of the ministry so that they will not be tossed about by every wind of doctrine that not be deceitful by the by satan you are those are just two examples and for the sake of time we're not going to keep going but justin those are examples of our confidence is found within the local body where we yeah. are administering god's word appropriately that's right. where we find our safety well our, our confidence is found in the local body yeah, where we are, we're gathering together and we're partaking of the means of grace together mm-hmm. and we're encouraging one another and living life together. And so what you said, even though I tried to kind of mess us up, I guess, in the flow of the episode, it's all worked <laughs> okay. out beautifully in the province right. of God. Because yeah. what you're saying, I mean, dovetails beautifully with what I, I kind of want to say here too. Like what, what is the antidote? I mean, for the, the person who's really struggling and is thinking, my gosh, like I'm, I'm sinning and I don't want to sin, but I am. And uh, I, don't, I don't know that I've got enough faith and all these kinds of things. Like, am I really in Christ? I mean, would I struggle this way if I'm a Christian, like legitimately? That's and right. the antidote is never to look within. I mean, whenever that happens. So you've mentioned a couple of great passages. I'm going to mention another one also in the book of Ephesians. We already read Ephesians 6, 12, talking about the the battle that's on our hands against, mm-hmm. you know, cosmic powers of this present darkness and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places you know, a la Satan and all of the powers that make up the powers of the air, you know, to right. use the language earlier in Ephesians. It's a big deal. So then what does Paul say? Like, therefore, put on the armor of God. And we're going to do a podcast soon on the armor of God, I think. Um, yep. But in short, when Paul says put on the armor of God, the exhortation is put on Christ. Mm-hmm. Like this this war that we're fighting against Satan and the cosmic powers over this present darkness is real. Y'all better put on Jesus because he is the only... <laughs> way to stand against mm-hmm. this kind of warfare and the things that he exhorts us to have nothing to do with us. No. It's called the armor of God. I mean, I think that's significant, but even the things mm-hmm. he lists, like having fastened on the belt of truth. Well, whose truth is that? Not that's yours. Right. It's God's truth about what? Well, himself and us, and ultimately about redemption, 
And that truth centers on Christ. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Well, whose righteousness is that? It isn't yours, I promise you. You're going to wage war against the devil with your own righteousness. Good luck with that. But what he's talking about clearly is the righteousness of Christ that's been counted to us by faith. So Mm. that's where we look. He put on as shoes, you know, for your feet, the readiness of the gospel of peace. Well, what is that? The good news of peace. Well, it's peace with God. How? Mm. Through the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. It's not you. Take up the shield of faith. Notice that it's not the the shield of faithfulness. It's not your fidelity to God. It is Mm. who are you trusting, right? I don't care how imperfectly either. Like you might very imperfectly and weakly be trusting, like, and by weakly, I mean W E A K L Y, trusting in the Lord Jesus. And yet the object of your faith, namely Christ, saves you, you know, and we could go on. The helmet of salvation. Well, whose salvation is that? Salvation is of who? The Lord. The Lord. Right. right. I mean, we could go on, man. It's like, no, that's good. That's that's an antidote, though. Don't look to yourself. That's right. Put on Jesus and look to him, trust him, cast yourself upon him. Mm. And I think that in time, comfort will come. That's right. As you continue to remind yourself of this daily, but ultimately as you gather with saints and you sit under preaching, hopefully that's going to point you to him. That's right. So this last few minutes that we have, Justin, I think we need to get down to the dirty section of this to where it really gnaws at the conscience of some people in the self-righteous camp and those who are, I think, ensnared in sin. And I'm praying that this podcast will be sent to people who find themselves um, trapped, who want to repent, but one they have had really bad theology given to them. Penance is what they think is necessary. Mm-hmm. So a couple of passages that we want to talk about that we alluded to in the beginning, but let's just even start with First uh, John 2. It says, my little children, I'm mm-hmm. writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But <laughs> if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the mm-hmm. Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation or the payment of our sins, yeah. not for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Here's what is important, is that every time John or the writers, they when they uh, speak of sin, you never hear them throw a caveat, sin, or a list of sins, or sin but, this except for this sin. You know, that some people would even say if someone commits suicide, then that, mm. that is a sin that cannot be forgiven. Well, then that means there's something that can separate you from the love of God, including your own actions, which cannot be the case. Otherwise... Mm. Paul wouldn't have said that yeah. multiple times. I think it's important that when we're talking about um, the the story of the prodigal son, he he pretty much committed like some serious heinous crimes uh, yeah. against the father. You would look at uh, Justin. You had mentioned this earlier. We look at the apostle Peter and David. Let's just pick mm. out the three. The, you know, the three big ones: two being legitimate real men, one being hypothetical. And you look at every single one of those stories. Mm. You don't see God rejecting them or pushing them off or calling into question the legitimacy of the relationship child adopted, and yet they have committed. I mean, just thinking about the Apostle Peter, it wasn't just cussing, you know. (laughs) No, I mean, he he denied the Lord Jesus Christ, and I mean, but Jesus is clear before it even happens. Like, Satan wants to do this. He wants to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. There's Christ's Mm -hmm. intercessory work, right? And when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. And it's not as though, like, between Peter's denial of Jesus and his turning, which I think happens pretty much instantaneously, by the way, 
Mm-hmm. Because when Peter looks at the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus looks at him, when Peter's standing in the courtyard, upon his denial, mm-hmm. it's like he knows what he's done. He said he would never do it. The thing he swore he would never do, he's done. And he's wrecked. Well, you know, I mean, anyway, I, I don't think there's a lot of time that transpires, but it's not yeah. as though Peter's relationship with Jesus was ever in question. Right. To your right. point. Yeah, going to yeah. David, you know, David, uh, the Nathan, Nathan the prophet doesn't question the man's faith in God other other than his blindness to his own sense. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Which is when, when you think about ensnared, devour, um, deceit, all of Trapped, those have, mired. right, cloak, yeah. there's, there's a cloak and dagger kind of a deal going mm-hmm. on here. There's like this, the this you know, shadows and hiding. And I think from what we have seen from scripture, hopefully your confidence can be in two things. One, that if you are in sin, you can have confidence in the advocate, not yourself. Mm, you can have confidence in God's promises. Uh, there is nothing in Scripture that would indicate of one who is in faith in Christ, even if they're uh, trapped in sin, mm-hmm. if your faith is in Christ, there is no sin you cannot repent of. First John mm. does not indicate yeah. in chapter 1 or chapter 2 that there is a limit to your repentance or there is a sin that you cannot repent of. The only thing you can't repent of is unbelief, (laughs) and that is given to you. So if you have the gift of faith that's been granted to you by the Father, the second gift that's been given to you is endless repentance. Yeah. And I know that sounds radical, Justin. People hear me say endless repentance, and what are they thinking I'm saying? What What they're thinking, JP, is that, John, if you say that or emphasize that, then people will just sin however they want. Well, sure. And there will be no there will be no skin in the game and people won't feel the need to repent. No. The, the, right. Listen, you read those warning passages and how horrible sin is. There's no way. That's not, what's not, that's not the case. The case, what I'm trying to say is that person who is hearing this podcast right now and they're mm-hmm. like, there's no hope for me. I can't do it. I, there's, there's, I've gone too long. I've gone too far. Mm-hmm. There's too much required. Uh, there is no, the kindness of the father is leading us to repentance. Yeah, His grace is sufficient. His mercy is there. You can be restored to the intimate loving relationship into the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Justin, this is why even in church discipline at moments mm-hmm. when a Christian is being so fooled by sin that we have to treat them like an unbeliever for a while to shock their system to say, sure. do you realize what you are missing out on? The glory and the, the joy of the body of Christ, we're going to have to let you, Satan, have its way for you. So when you are fully sapped and you dry, we're going to refresh you with mercy again. Amen. No, I mean, even in that sense, church discipline is a means of restoration. And that's how mm-hmm. God gave it to us. It's not a, a weapon to bludgeon people with. Uh, no. It's it's an instrument of restoring sinners Amen. because that's what God's in the business of doing. That's right. Yeah, totally. Well, Justin, going over, we have uh, already discussed that there are traditions that have different opinions on this. Totally. And the different traditions, some of these traditions are very old. Some of them are new. So we're going to look at the varying traditions that have maybe different perspectives on apostasy and mm-hmm. assurance. That is going to be a part of our separate from on a podcast, a AKA class, however you want to look at that. But for those of you that would like to one join what we are doing, you can do so 
by joining Semper Reformanda. That is a ministry that has two parts to it. It's a podcast where Justin and I continue the conversation really on a deeper, unfiltered level where we kind of let you in on the the backside of the conversation. And then number mm-hmm. two, we have groups that you can join either online or locally where you can then discuss this podcast with other listeners in your area. These groups are being formulated and we are should be launching them by now. And if you would like to start one or be a part of one in your local area, just go to theocast.org and you can learn more about that. Justin, it's a good conversation, my friend. We have a lot coming no our worries. way. I'll just throw this out there. You and I are getting ready to do a book study, or a book review, I should say, of uh, Lordship Salvation of John MacArthur's book. That's coming up. Or at least an episode on Lordship where we'll talk some about it. Yep. Right. And yeah. then Armor of God. And man, we got some good stuff. So we do. We just, I just wish we could record more than once a week, but this is what we can well, do. We'll see you guys yeah. next week. <laughs> <laughs> see ya.